Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. First, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, or INSA. INSA is the leading nonpartisan association for driving public-private partnerships to advance intelligence and national security priorities. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearedCast. I'm Katie, Editorial Communications Manager with ClearanceJobs.com. Today, I'm joined by Jill Bruning, who is the Executive Vice President and General Manager at Amentum. Today, we'll be discussing diversity and inclusion in national security and also an interesting presentation Jill did for the Intelligence and National Security Alliance's The New IC. Jill's biases biological presentation explained more than 100 differences between female and male brains, including how they speak, think, and interact socially, which encourages the national security workforce to recognize these differences as a means to empower inclusion and boost each other up. So Jill, thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of Cleared Cast. Well, thank you very much for having me, Katie. I'm glad to be here. So I thought that we could start, what is Amentum's mission and their core capabilities and what is your role there? Well, Amentum is a new company. We launched in uh, February of this year. So we've had a really exciting first few months of our company. But even though the company is new, we have a hundred year legacy of companies you've probably heard of in this space, like AECOM, URS, EG&G. And just last week, we announced the acquisition of DynCore. So Amentum Momentum, after that acquisition, will be a $6 billion company with 34,000 employees in 30 countries. And we are a leading provider of critical support services for uh, programs of national significance in mission support, sustainment, nuclear and environment, program management, testing, training, systems engineering, and threat mitigation and mission assurance. Wow, that's a, an exciting year indeed for Momentum. With that large of a company and you know that many countries it sounds like you would have a lot of diversity at Amentum. So I wanted to you know, get your opinion. What is a must-have for any diversity and inclusion program in this space? Well, our focus really isn't diversity and inclusion. I, I like to say it's diversity with inclusion. It's not just having diverse populations, which as a global company we do, but it's really focusing on how do we include diverse thinking, because that's really where you get the value of diversity. And that's also where you create that sense of belonging, where underrepresented groups feel like they can contribute and have a voice. So it's diversity with inclusion. How do you like that? I I love that. And, you know, I I will say I've never heard that before. And I, I really like that point. So diversity with inclusion. So why do you believe that diversity with inclusion is important for the defense sector? You know, as a leader of a large uh, portion of our business, we have to say that it's important from a business perspective. Companies that have higher diversity and more importantly, that inclusive engagement have better business performance. They have higher 
operating margin. They have higher return on invested capital. So the compelling first is as profit-making organizations, it's important for the success of our business. They have higher degrees of innovation when you have diverse populations. So there's business value in bringing new thinking. Yes. And, you know, in national security with such critical mission sets and number of different spaces within national security, it is extremely important to have that innovation. And again, like you said, have underrepresented voices be able to have their voices heard. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the ticket, right? Well, first, you got to be there. So, you know, that's where the diversity part comes in and, and setting goals about having represented groups in, in leadership metrics and in hiring metrics. It is important because you have to bring them in and then you've got to get the voices to the table, which is all about the inclusive part. At Amentum, we had a goal of 20 percent women leadership by 2020, which we were able to meet. And in an engineering defense services, company, you know, that took a strategic focus and commitment. But we also do compensation equity analysis, ensure we have fair employment practices, we have training for all levels of management and staff. And then the other part, especially in in the gender area, is really how do we support um, underrepresented groups like women? And so we, we do a lot in our company about women supporting and helping other women to make sure that people see people like them as they go up through the ranks. Absolutely. Congratulations on hitting those marks. I know that a lot of companies are putting out these hefty goals and which is such a great thing, but, you know, hitting those marks, that's a a great achievement for Amentum. It seemed like a big goal at the time, but, you know, it it takes a lot of commitment uh, from the top, but it also takes, you know, all the pieces of of that program working together to be able to accomplish that. Absolutely. So the new IC, the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, also known as INSA, you spoke, and I'm really interested to hear about how you initially became interested in sort of these biological differences between men and women. If we could start with that, how did you get interested in the subject? Well, you know what's interesting? I am a mechanical engineer by trade, and I've been in the business for over 35 years. And for most of my career, I was the only woman in the room. And we didn't talk about the fact that I was female, that I was a woman. And it's only been recently, maybe in the last decade, that uh, people have asked me, what is it like for you? And the first time I got asked what it was like to be a woman leader in a male-dominated field, it was actually for a blog, I felt really unprepared. I felt uncomfortable talking about this. So I did what any good engineer does. You know, I, I started doing a little research about why is this? Why is it different for us? And then try to connect it to my own experiences. So um, the talk I gave at INSA, which is an organization I love, I'm on the board there, was really about just a collection of things that I pulled together. I'm not a neuroscientist, but that helped me and resonated with me in terms of my experience on sort of the why behind some of the things that we experience as women in the workplace. Everyone can go check out an overview and the actual presentation, I know that it's on INSA's website. I I know that you went over a a ton of really interesting differences between men and women. Could you go over a few of those for us today? Well, sure. Interestingly enough, there are are over a hundred differences between male and female brains. How we think, I think one of the interesting things to me is how communication centers connect 
primarily between men and women, where men primarily think in their brains front to back, they think linearly, and women primarily, the most of their connections, they map side to side. And um, you know, a lot of us can resonate with female thinking if we're women about how we're thinking lots of things all at the same time, very connected thinking. And a lot of times the male communication especially is going, I'm talking about one thing, let's move, let's finish that thing before we move on to the next thing. In, in my experience, I have actually had, you know, I jump into a conversation and everyone in the room that's mostly male looks at me like, what the heck did she just say? Um, because it didn't connect with how they were thinking. And I think being aware of that is really important for us both to be inclusive of people who maybe not be thinking and talking like we do. And I know that I've experienced that, you know, not only in a professional environment, but I think we all experience that in personal relationships, just men and women sort of communicating differently. And like you said, uh, instead of, you know, coming to those obstacles where you are communicating differently and you are thinking differently, recognizing those differences and maybe what some of the positive outcomes or implications are that we do actually think differently. Yeah, the way our brains connect are different, the way we communicate is different. Then it leads to the whole, um, you know, unconscious bias and filters of our thinking. And, and that's sort of the unconscious way our brains work so much information comes into our brain and we automatically have to filter it to process it. And so, you know, biases happen unconsciously, but when we bring them to awareness is when we can start to do something about them. And I think that's really the important thing of understanding is to be able to help include everyone and value the different ways we think, communicate, and speak. Knowing that you were a mechanical engineer, you obviously work in leadership now, and it is still very male dominated. But I'm sure that there has been a time that you experienced some sort of gender bias or piece of your career where you were trying to communicate something, but you were in a room full of men and you were the only woman in the room. So could you tell me about a time maybe where that happened? how you confronted it and um, were some of those outcomes? I think we've made some some tremendous progress over the, my business career. From my very early days, the types of things that women had to deal with 35 years ago, there was overt discrimination, uh, was really tough. And I think now just the mere fact that we're having these kinds of conversations uh, has made it much more subtle. I think what we're dealing with now is more unconscious treatment the Me Too movement, you know, there have been consequences and accountability for that. And I think as an industry, we've done exceptionally well at making sure that, that equality is there. Now it's really about that inclusive element. And so, you know, for me, I think what we deal with mostly is is that, that unconscious bias. For example, women get interrupted three times more than men do. It may be because we're talking more, because <laughs> we talk three times. <laughs> more many words than men do, but we still get interrupted more. We don't get listened to. So I think it, just awareness of that helps the men be more conscientious about letting women have their voice. Organizations like INSA really are some of the biggest drivers in having these conversations and highlighting some of when it comes to, you know, gender inequality, you know, highlighting some of the, um, you know, male allies that really are, you know, trying to become more aware of some of these issues. And again, INSA has been a huge driver of making the conversation, uh, 
you know, out in the open. Yeah, I think all of us have that responsibility as well. You know, I didn't have a female mentor because there weren't females above me that I could emulate or or model my leadership behavior after. But you know what's great is right now I have tons of female peers. You know, they're starting to show up everywhere. And I think that's really becoming a way that as leaders having a responsibility to play it forward as females to help and support each other. The real work is with the men. Women didn't give themselves the right to vote. It was the men in power who voted for that change. And so it's the men in power who have the real responsibility to make sure that women are included and and, and all underrepresented groups are included and feel like they belong there because they do. Absolutely. Even though, like you said, you may have not had a ton of women mentors, who are some of the women leaders that you have looked up to in your career and tried to model after? Well, I have, I have some wonderful uh, peers, and then certainly the IC community presents us with some as well. Tish Long is also a mechanical engineer, graduated college the same year I did, and so we have a lot of parallels in our career. Sue Gordon is, is another one I just think the world of. I think we have a lot of strong women leaders in the IC uh, and that's been very helpful for those of us in the contracting community to see those types of leaders within the government customer realms we support. Absolutely. Those leaders and sort of the government industry partnerships and bridging those gaps. I know that that has been really helpful for me to see, you know, coming from the contracting world. It's something else that is really important is we sometimes forget that behind us are also a lot of women now looking up to us. And so I think there's that sense of community that we can create. And I know in in my company, we have uh, a group of women vice presidents that have a group where we get together and, and have projects that support each other and how powerful that is for younger women in the workplace to see the women leaders working together, providing that mentoring and being visible leaders and examples of, of what that looks like. Women empowering women. I absolutely love it. Absolutely. You know, any closing thoughts on and how maybe men and women can use some of these learnings, specifically from your biological presentation, uh, to come together and sort of, you know, work together. And like I said, some of these critical mission sets that we're working in in national security. The point is really about when we think about the best outcomes in innovation or business performance or solutions, it's really when all the brains work together. And there's something called collective intelligence on teams. You know, Harvard Business Review published a study of 192 teams. When those teams included more women, the collective intelligence was higher. And so I think it's just really striking how complementary the brains are. And so the real takeaway is that there's value and need for both. So, you know, diversity is about getting invited to the party and inclusion is getting asked to dance. That's so wonderful. And, you know, everyone, I really encourage you to visit insaonline.org. Watch the presentation on Building a Better IC Together, Biases Biological by Jill Bruning. Jill, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's always fun to talk to you. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearedjobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.